Hey there, it's Carrie here from Wrap Your Head Around Silks. You are listening to the Expecting Aerialist podcast. I wanted to start today by letting you know there's a free gift in the show notes. Go ahead and click and you will get a free copy of my ebook, Understanding Aerial Silks. It's meant to be a companion to your training. And I just wanted to send a token of my love and appreciation for my podcast listeners. All right. So today I'm really excited to have Anna Ciccone. She is, her and her husband are the owners of the Ariel House, which is here in LA. And she is also, as of today, 37 weeks pregnant. She has been able to train throughout her pregnancy. If you take a look at her on Instagram, you'll see some amazing videos and photos of her training with her gorgeous pregnant belly. And I am just so excited to hear her process of the last seven months. And uh, yeah, really excited. So without further ado, let's get started. Oh my God, I'm so excited for you. And this is your first kid? This is my first. Yeah, this is uh, first kid, first pregnancy. And it's been a wild ride so far. Um, okay, so I, I'm like dying to find out what is going on with your pregnancy just because it's like now that I've gone through it yes it just is so interesting to me right yeah. um so for my listeners Anna can you please pronounce your last name for me cuz I'm going to butcher sure. it <laughs> it's no problem it's a uh, Ciccone so or Ciccone if you want to add the italian spin Ciccone. on it Ciccone Ciccone it's <laughs> <That's> awesome <laughs> get to really so, throw it yeah so Anna and her husband, Nick, right? You guys own yes. the Ariel house. And how have you guys been doing during the pandemic with that? It's been... Um, so we have a pretty lucky situation in that our um, my husband's mom owns the space and we rent it from her. So we had to shut down the operation completely, but we didn't have to close the school. And I know there were a lot of studios that were not in that type of setup that had to, yeah, yeah, you know, make make different decisions, maybe shut down, move elsewhere, maybe find different ways to stay open. We got um, a little more lucky, I think, in that we had a great setup, but we still lost, you know, a whole year plus worth of being open. So our students didn't have really any line of connection to our studio. Um, it was definitely a trip. I think it lasted. You know, I'm sure you know, like when this first was announced that this was going to happen, there was, um, I think, I don't think I had any idea that it would last as long as it did, even though people were saying that it might. <laughs> so, um, we, we weren't quite aware of how much we would be affected until well into it. Um, mm -hmm. but we're reopened now and, you know, we're definitely regaining some momentum, which feels really good. Man, I remember back in March when when California was saying, "Okay, we'll be back open in August." And everybody's like, <laughs> "August? That's so far off. That's crazy." Yes, and then, right. you know, like however many months later, we're like, "Oh goodness, we were just so young and naive." <laughs> I know there was that two week shutdown in the very beginning. We were like, guys, it's two weeks, but we'll be back. Don't worry. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> two weeks became one year, became, you know, more than that. But I'm so happy that we can at least open to some capacity now. I am really happy that you guys uh, were able to survive the year because, yes. yeah, I think as a city, 
we might have lost a handful of studios, you know, yeah. in our community. Yeah. Yeah. It was a big hit for the aerial world. It was I, a big I know hit. of one off the top of my head that moved to a different state and found a way to be open elsewhere, but that's still a loss to Los Angeles for sure. Christina Nakai was just on the podcast a couple weeks ago and she oh, yeah. has she has um decided to get rid of her brick and mortar. And she's wow. now all online. And so there's there's another one, wow. you know, rest in peace. But yeah. with with what she does, um, I, I feel like an online platform works really well. You know, the flexibility training works really well online. So 100%. And I think that is kind of one of the silver linings of all of this is that people found ways to thrive and operate that weren't brick and mortar, which if anything, kind of opens your audience to a wider scope. And although it's awful and, you know, people that were able to go to the studio in person will probably sorely miss that experience and the community of it. Um it's so nice to know that we're in a time where you can still, your business can still survive in a whole different way. It doesn't have to completely shut down. Yes. Um, yes. And, and Breck, Brett and Rachel, you know, I'm, I'm really close to them and just watching them make decisions in the last 12 months and, you know, oh, yeah. how heavy it was on them. I, I just oh, yeah. have so much, I have so much respect and, um, just in awe by you guys who have chosen to take a brick and mortar on. I, I do not know how you do it. I am like adjacent and I'm like, whoa, whoa. It's a thing. It is like having a baby in a way. But this, I mean, Brett and Rachel, I think are on a whole different level in the way that they're able to, um, create a format and a platform around online. I mean, they have that down to such an art. I'm sure it's been something that they've practiced and studied in yeah. a great detail over the years. Um, but it's true. It's brick and mortar is a different beast. And I think the whole pandemic and the shutdowns really proved to us that you, you might want to have something else on the back burner as an idea of different ways to hold your business just in case. Because you never know. Yes. Yes. Um, okay. So this is the Expecting Aerialist podcast. So yes, Anna, she is, you, congratulations. You're the first aerialist I've had on here who is currently pregnant. What? Well, that is such an honor. Thank you so much. Yeah. And so Anna, is, she just said she is, she is just now 37 weeks. Oh my God. I'm so excited <laughs> for you. You're having a girl, you said? A little girl, yeah. You're having a little girl. I have a daughter too. I am Aww. very much, um, what's the word? I just love little girls. I was really happy. I mean, obviously if I had a boy, I'd be happy too. But I love little girls. Right, of course. So this means you had a pandemic pregnancy. Yes. It's okay. crazy that I think all babies that were born in 2020 or 2021 have a special mark on them. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So everybody's got such a different journey. Can you just mm -hmm. start from the beginning and let us and tell us about that and just however you want to tell your story and then I'll just jump in because I'm just going to probably sure. have a million questions for you. Yeah. Whatever you got for me, I am here for. Um, I Yeah. So it, it's been... Uh, a trip. I kind of started, you know, Nick and I was, we were thinking about having a baby. We weren't sure if 
this was the right time. I mean, I know there is really no right time, as they always say, but it was um, specifically surrounding the pandemic and not really knowing what things would be like um, with care providers and how kind of um, freaky and different it might be. Um, we weren't sure if this was the right time, but it kind of just happened that way. And then in relation to Ariel, I didn't really have, uh, I didn't really make a decision right from the beginning that I was going to be doing it the entire time. And I also didn't make a decision that I wouldn't do it. I kind of had this idea in my mind that it would be day by day as I felt good to continue. I would continue as my body needed to adapt. I would adapt accordingly, but there would be no hard and fast, no, I need to make it to the end or no, I'm definitely not going to keep going. The Unless you know something came up, which would make me have to stop, in which case, absolutely, I would stop because the health of body, the health of baby were more important ultimately. You're so wise, by the way, for having that attitude. Because I mean, the one thing pregnancy teaches us is that you can't control anything. None, not nothing yeah. at all. And I, I, I think because it was my, it is my first time, I shouldn't speak past tense yet, but it is my first time. There are so many unknowns. And I think it's hard, especially as an aerialist, which I'm sure you know, and all of your listeners know, it's hard not to be stubborn with it and kind of hold it on this pedestal that it needs to be, it needs to be there all the time or else you're no longer an aerialist or you no longer train aerial. It's not a part of your life anymore. But I think that's just, um, it's just not true. And it's something that I've told my students coming back into the pandemic is that it's always a part of you and you can take these, you know, elongated breaks. And as long as you do come back to it eventually, you, you still are an aerialist, even if you had to stop for a period of time, because life will throw anything your way. You can't always mm-hmm. control for those things. So I kind of had that in my mind going into it, but I also didn't want to stop if I didn't, if there wasn't something that was making me. And day by day went by and I just, I felt I've, I've had a really lucky go. I mean, I have things that I could definitely complain about, but physically I've been able to continue my training to a degree um, also with the idea in mind that I wouldn't be I wouldn't be seeking any sort of strength gains or you mm-hmm. know new skills I wouldn't be hard on myself as I lost those strength gains and lost those skills that I once had there there was definitely and it's been a daily progression of kind of having repetitive conversations with myself and mm-hmm. <laughs> trying not to compare current self with pre-pregnancy self um, some days have been, a little harder to accept mentally than others, but I think overall, it's it's been it's been a really kind of positive and kind of a mind blowing experience because I didn't think necessarily that I would still be able to do what I'm still able to do. Had you asked me before I got pregnant, sure. It's kind of um, from from what I've heard from all the super smart um, people that have been on this podcast is basically. If you stop, it's really hard to restart. But if you continue, yeah. the muscle fibers are able to contract and release and contract and release. Mm. And you're able to continue. Uh, Rachel, same thing. I think she was doing Ariel to 39 weeks. That's amazing. I was actually recently going 
back over some of her videos on the Womack and Bowman platform because I was curious to know um, about the afterwards, not to compare myself or any reason like that. It's just fun when you're in this headspace to kind of seek out other people who also maybe trained through and kind of what their experiences were. Right. And I mean, she's a different level and, but her body definitely, you can tell retained so much of it, even if there, she did need to gain some of it back afterwards, um, which I'm sure, you know, is true for literally anyone that goes through yes, something absolutely. like this. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was, uh, She's been definitely an inspiration. There's a couple of people out there who are inspiration. I would say any any aerialist, regardless of their of what happened to their aerial training during pregnancy, is an inspiration in some way. Especially if they came back to it afterwards and re- get got their strength back. You know, I think that's something. Like I look to you. I look to. I, I need. I can't even recall, but there's so many people who I who I admire and look up to and who have given me inspiration to know that even though there's going to be a pause inevitably in the next step, the strength will still come back at the end of that um, because of what you mentioned in, re- in regards to kind of having that muscle memory and that connect to, that connectivity to the movement. Yeah. You know, we were actually, I was just, I don't know when we got together, but we were kind of training together and we all looked around and was like, okay, you got a C-section, you did, you didn't, you did. And, you know, we had kind of like this sprinkling popcorn of like who came back when. Mm. And at the end, (laughs) we kind of looked at each other and none of it mattered. Like our kids are all between three years old and eight months or I think four months. Leslie's kid is now four months. And it doesn't actually matter. We look around like, oh, why were we micro worried about like, oh, did you come back in two months or two and a half months? I mean, who cares? (laughs) And it's like, I think, right. I think we do care in the moment. Like I remember coming back, it was two and a half months for me because I decided that New Year's Eve, I was going to go back to my classes in 2020 because my daughter was born in 2019. So I was like, okay, I just picked a date and went back in. And it's like, okay, if I would have waited one month, like, who even remembers? Right. We put it on ourselves. Right. And it's so insane. I like to think back, even if I had started in March instead of January, like literally who cares? It's so, so true. You're so right. Yeah. I think we always feel like our present moment is this like long, elongated, lasts forever. Whatever's going on in this moment is the most important thing. But then a month or two later, you look back on that moment and you you ask yourself, why was I putting so much gravity in returning then? Because yes. like you said, no one cares. And and at that point, you don't even care <laughs> because, yeah. you, you know, eventually you do return. You know you want to, so eventually you will. And at that point, everything that happened before is kind of moot. It doesn't even matter anymore. So um, no, it doesn't. Yeah, I completely agree with that. So I feel like, you know, because there's also a lot of conversations pre-baby for all of us. We're like, oh my God, I want to get up so quickly. Like, you know, that, that, that mindset was for sure there for, for all of us. And, and then now after we had the baby, you know, older and wiser, you know, eight months later, 
<laughs> a year and a half later, we're like, oh my God, what is wrong with me? You know, like, you know, but all of us went through it. And then the, the, the wisest of us, um, out of my friend group, she like chilled so good coming back because yeah. she had, the, I, I don't know. I just see her. She just has so much wisdom and comfort with herself. Yeah. And, you know, she kind of, they, they went to like Sweden and Scotland for a vacation uh, after uh, the baby was born. You know, this is pre-COVID everything. And I was like, right. you know, just like such a graceful way. And then, oh, okay, let me do some Ariel. And then, of course, like all of us, she's back 100%. And it doesn't, you know, we can't even remember the past. Yeah. That, it, it so, is, yeah. I, I feel like that's a little bit of a learned behavior to be able to or or you're very unique to the person to be able to separate themselves from these parts of their identity enough when they know that they need to and just enjoy whatever part of their life they're going through regardless of if they have those things and i know for me it used to be i think that ariel was such it was so stuck to what i considered a part of my identity that if i had to take any time away from injury or otherwise it was um it, it, for me, a disaster, you know, like I didn't want to, it was just so much a part of me. Um, and I, I do think over time you just kind of through experiences, whether it be having to take a long hiatus or having people that you're inspired by go through something and you realize, you know, that they were able to come back through, through that, those types of experiences and kind of learning, Learning that Ariel is not, its it can be a part of your identity, but you don't have to be so stuck to it. <laughs> it's a very, I feel like a needy hobby or a needy passion or a needy career in that you always have to be doing something with your body in order to retain it, but it will always come back to you. So um, I love the idea of being able to take kind of a, kind of mentally disconnect from it when you need to and not feeling that pull of stress or or failure if for whatever reason you can't do it for a little while. Yeah, I think that word is exactly what people are going through. Yeah. Coming back from the pandemic, I call them born again aerialists. I love that. If they're coming back. Their first class back, I'm like, are you born again? They're, they have to think about it for a second. They're like, wait, I am. <laughs> and there is, a, there is a feeling of failure. And I really like to really analyze that for people mm. because I'm like, okay, first of all, in this case, it was definitely not your fault that all the studios closed. Right. And you didn't have a rig. And even if you had a rig, it's hard to motivate. Right. Maybe you need the, an instructor there. Maybe you need community around you. So let's take that off the plate when it comes to being like there's a fault. There's no fault in there. No. And then um, another student said, oh, what's the point? Mm. And oh, I, yeah, I was like, well you know, just asking yourself, what is the point? If you enjoy it, if you enjoy it, there's a huge point. And of course she was like 21. I was like, um, (laughs) I was like, like, okay. Oh girl. (laughs) I'm like, oh my God. She didn't say it to me. Had she said that to me, I would have, she would have been sat down for a lecture. I call it the wrap your head around silks lecture, which is is hilarious to me because it's just me me like lecturing you and you just have to listen to me until I'm done. (laughs) 
You know? <laughs> There's a lot to be got, gotten and gained from a wrap your head around silk lecture. Around silk lecture. <laughs> so, so Anna, I'm, 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 uh, I'm dying to know. So your first trimester, what did you experience? Did you have any morning sickness? Ooh, my first trimester. Ooh, I got out free. I was so lucky that I Ooh. did not have morning sickness. I know. I had aversions. I didn't want to eat most food that I usually like to eat. It sounded just gross, but I never had terrible nausea. It didn't incapacitate me. I was really lucky, but I was like wildly fatigued. Like I, mm-hmm. I was just so tired. Um, that was my biggest ailment in the first trimester was just how I had never felt that physically and mentally drained before for just mm-hmm. absolutely no reason at all. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you're building well, bones and <laughs> organs. And, I shouldn't yeah. say no reason at all. Very good but, reason. To but yeah, fatigued. it's happening. It's happening without you making it, which is right. always amazing to me whenever, you know, when I was having, when I was pregnant, I was like, I would say to my man, I was like, do you know that you could be the dumbest woman on earth and still do this right? <laughs> That's such a good fact. You know, that. like you were yes. literally just along for the ride. Your body's doing everything. That is amazing to me. It's so true. And I think you're right. It's just the fact that you can't see it. You know, you can feel it. You can feel it's happening to you, but you don't have anything tangible other than maybe a growing belly or um, these like random phantom feelings to really prove that it's happening. You're just kind of going through the motions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But it yeah. was a trip. Yeah, I didn't I didn't luckily though I didn't have the morning sickness, which I was pretty pretty stoked about because that's not 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 a place I like to be. <laughs> no, it's terrible. And and um people get these little nuggets of stories from me <laughs> on this podcast because it's never <laughs> this, it's never about me, but sometimes I have a jewel. I would so love to hear the jewel. I basically found out me and my husband my husband, my partner, we are not technically married. We were not, quote unquote, trying. So, but we weren't not trying either. So basically, I wasn't thinking, okay, it's this month I have to take a pregnancy test. No, I wasn't thinking of that. So we find out we're pregnant seven weeks into the pregnancy. And then I had just booked this job. I was only dancing, not in the air, but it was on a cruise like for a week and a half in Asia. And we had already gotten our visa, our work visas, everything's approved, flights bought, everything. And so I'm like, people do jobs when they're in their first trimester. I'm not doing aerial. I just have to do this dance number. We were going from Japan to China and China back to Japan on this cruise. And it was so rocky. Oh, no. Oh, no. It was so rocky. Like, I was in the bathtub. Uh, we had really nice um, We had really nice rooms. So I had a bathtub in my room, and, like, the water would sh- slightly swoosh just a little bit. That's how much we were rocking. Oof. Oof. And I was, like, <sighs> like on the verge of throwing oh, up. Oh, you poor thing. For... 12 days straight. Oh, that is my worst And even when I was on the land, it felt like it was rocking. That was terrible. That's terrible. That's so terrible. terrible. And no one knew I was pregnant. pregnant. No, it's the worst. No one knew I was pregnant on the job because I didn't want to tell anybody I was pregnant because who knows in the first trimester. And I wasn't showing, so it doesn't matter. I could do my job. I wasn't drinking alcohol. People were like, what's wrong with you? Because everybody who knows me well is like, where's your wine? 
Where's your wine? <laughs> and so I was like, You're like, oh, I just caught a flu bug. <laughs> you know. So, anyways, that was my experience with morning sickness. It just was, I mean, that's brutal. The, the the people, the dancers who were not pregnant were throwing up. That from is this so damn brutal. Oh my, oh my goodness. God, I see oh sickness in and of itself is awful. I can't imagine seasickness and then morning sickness. And then and morning the sickness on top boat. of it. Ooh, that's yeah, that is that is incredibly yeah. rough. And I then, wouldn't wish and that then on the fact that the um time change. Oh yeah. It's just I was like I was like, oh my God, this was not a good idea. But I was in, I was committed, I'm a professional, I did it. It's also the last time I traveled anywhere. So wow. in a way, I'm glad I did it because at least I got one yes. good, like I, I so saw, true. I think I went to Shanghai for the first time, you know, like I got a lot out of it, but man, yeah. for that reason, it was really hard. <laughs> but it makes any, a good story, right? It makes a really good story. <laughs> I, and if you have a podcast about pregnancy, <laughs> then you better have like a lot of stories. You better have a good story. Yeah. Tell me, okay, number one, I want to know. If you have a birth plan, and if you do, if you'd share it with us, and then number two, um, if you have any just funny stories to tell from your pregnancy. Yeah, so I have a birth plan ish. I have. I was super happy that we're able to have a doula with us, and she's been helping me create um, a birth plan, which will work with also kind of flexibility in mind in case. Who knows what will happen when Correct. day comes? Um, hoping this is my. If I were to just paint the picture, um, I'm hoping to labor at home for as long as I can. You know, I'm hoping to enter into labor naturally. I will have to go to hospital because um, it's you know the whole insurance thing. That's pretty much where our insurance will cover, which is fine. But I am hoping to go through with it unmedicated, provided that everything goes kind of according to plan. Um, and if any of this is outside of the realm of what you care to know, please let me oh, know. Oh, <laughs> I, I care to know all the things I want to know. I think our listeners want to know too. Yeah. Um, it's uh, So yeah, I, I'm hoping to go through it unmedicated. I'm hoping to be able to walk around freely as much as I can. I know that hospitals, oftentimes they like the intermittent monitor- monitoring at the very least, Um but even with that, I would like to be able to have my mobility around the room. Um, I want to be able to use water, hot water, when I can. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm hoping to do, in, in my mind, it's like there's a dim room and maybe some nice music playing. Mm-hmm. And I might be in discomfort. There might be some pressure and intensity going on inside of me. But I'm really hoping that the outside, you know, as much as you can make a hospital room feel Spa like. <laughs> I'm really hoping that we can. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to only push when I'm ready. So, um, and that's why I'm so grateful we're going to have the doula with us, is that she's going to help me kind of advocate for that to not push prematurely. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we want to do the whole delayed cord clamping, which if yes. listeners are not familiar. I don't know if that's already been talked about, um, but waiting to cut the umbilical cord until I think this hospital I'm at, I'm going to, their policy is three minutes, um, but my doula says even one minute. You want the blood from the umbilical cord to finish 
being transported to the baby from the placenta. Mm, so okay. if you delay that process, even by just a minute, Um, but we're going to do three, that baby gets all that blood, all those delicious nutrients from the umbilical cord. Um, So it's a really good thing to do if you're able to. I want to get some nice skin-to-skin time. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I I want it to be, I I guess the way to kind of sum it up is as intervention-free as possible, Mm -hmm. being that my health and baby's health are all in good shape and there's no nothing calling for it to be otherwise. But I also recognize that those things can't just be planned. And just because I want them, they might not go that way. So there is a certain part of me that is open to, you know, the flexibility of it and things kind of being whatever they may turn out to be. And that probably is better said than done, easier said than done. But um, I'm trying to go into it with as open of a mind as possible. I love it. Okay, so I'm going to ask for a pre-booking for after the baby comes out, and we're going to see. Now I want to see what happens. Oh, I love that. So we'll do that. We'll do like the before and the after, and you can be like, it "It went the way I imagined, or you could be like, "Oh, that plan got tossed in the first five minutes." So we will. I love that. Wait for this. I am I'm so, so excited. I am so excited too. <laughs> we'll 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 definitely have to reconnect after. That will be Oh yeah. That We're going to let so you fun. have your time with the baby and with your husband. <laughs> and then at some point um at some point we'll come back. But I yeah. think that um I love it. I love this. Um Yeah. Uh I have I have a lot of good vibes coming out to you that Possibly it could go, you know, the way you would imagine it to go. That's what I want. I, I, from what I understand, you got to fill yourself with as much of that as possible um, because there is so much to be scared by. <laughs> and I think people in general, not intending to tend to put that information out. Um, but what I've come to understand is anything anyone tells me advice wise is usually just a projection of what they've been through yeah. or someone they knew been, have gone through, but it's whatever I experienced is going to be completely unique to me. So it might not be what I just said, you know, it might be something completely different than that, but that's an experience that I won't be able to get by listening to well-intended, but maybe not necessary advice from others, if that makes sense. Unsolicited advice during pregnancy and being a mom. It's like... It's a thing. Wow. And you know what? When it comes from other moms, that's when I'm most irritated. I'm like, don't you know know that all of us can't stand this? Like, just just choose to go a different direction with... You know what I'm saying? I I do. It's it's the worst. I'm just like just because that happened that way for you does not mean not because of any reason but the universe just, you know, your journey is your journey. Yes. I need a t-shirt that says unsolicited advice, <laughs> not welcome here. <laughs> I want one of those t-shirts too, please. You can put in a double order for me. I it, it blows my mind um as well. I I don't get it. And unless it's like 
that something happened to them. Maybe it was a little traumatic or maybe it was, you know, maybe it just, it changed their, their personal world. So they're like, let me, let me warn this person or let me tell this person, you know, but even just the little common things people say, like you better sleep now, you know, it's just like unhelpful statements that even if there's an, an element of truth to that, there's really no reason to say it because, you know, yeah. Yeah. And pregnancy is super rude. Yeah. You know, it's super rude. Like people would say that to me in my third trimester. They were like, you better sleep now. (laughs) And I couldn't sleep in my third trimester and I couldn't, I just started getting normal sleep and my baby is like 19 months. So, but no advice coming from a third party is going to change the journey of that, the painfulness, the sleep deprivation, or I have um, friends, uh, Sarah, who comes on this podcast all the time. She's great. She's not. She's not having any of that. They have their own. They have their own struggles, but not that particular one. Not the sleep thing. There you go. And so there you go. Yeah, I just. Um, we all need that T-shirt. It should be printed on the front <laughs> and the back. You should do that as from the Expecting Ariel's podcast. <laughs> Maybe we, that'll be like the free gift that everybody gets. Yes, I love that. <laughs> even even non solicited unsolicited advice on Ariel that too because that's oh, totally you know, like everybody's got their own thing. Just in, unless they're going to fall to their death by being naive or you know not being careful, let them be them. You know. Oh, totally agree with yeah. that. I, I can't believe, and that again, it, it's just coming from, and it's often these people maybe on the inter- that, internet that you've never met before, that yep. you, they do not know a thing about you, um, that feel the need to comment on what you're doing as though they know your body and they know your choices better than you yourself, which is another thing that just, I, I will never understand. Um the, Let me ask you though. Do that. Yes. So I did not announce my pregnancy on Instagram for work purposes because I was yeah. still wanting to go back into the commercial dance world. Maybe. Right. So I was. I stood. I, I stayed away from it. Rachel trained and posted, and so did you. Now, no matter if you get ninety nine point nine percent good comments, mm-hmm. there's always that one or that two. Have you? How do you deal with that? And has it been worth it? You know what the funniest thing somebody said to me, um, which, because <laughs> I realized a little bit ago, you also said for a funny story, and I completely didn't, I skirted over that, maybe a branch off that question, but to, to respond to what you just said is that um, somebody said, I didn't think you were supposed to lift anything heavy while pregnant. <laughs> which oh, that's great. It's like, uh, excuse me, like, I know my body is changing <laughs> and I know that I'm heavy, but like, do we really need to put that out there? Um, and yeah, I I put it out there in the beginning right from the get-go, um, I guess I guess part of me was just kind of like, you know, I don't really care. Like if people have mm-hmm. these really negative or, or maybe just they're, they're innocently asking a question that they don't understand the gravity of what they're asking or the connotation of what they're asking or how it could be offensive because they just have never been in these in my shoes before or they haven't been pregnant before. Um, I kind of just told myself, I'm going to put it out there. It's my choice to do that. That means that 
people can choose to react however they want to. But just because people are reacting that way, ultimately, their um, opinions, their comments really don't carry any weight in what's going on with me. It's really just about what I know is right for me, what my care providers know what's right for me. And, um, and I really just had that mindset going into it. So when I did get any comments like that, none of them really, really got me too bad. You know, I never felt overly frustrated by them. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I, you know, when I was at that point in my pregnancy, well, it's different for me because I had, I was on pelvic rest. I wasn't able to train through my pregnancy. Mm. Had I, I might've done what you or Rachel did, but in my mind, I wish I had the bravery. I didn't really want to put myself in a position where people felt like they had Mm. the power or the bandwidth to have a comment on what my pregnancy was like. So, but I have to say the reason why in a different world, if I had a different health situation going on in my pregnancy, I would have wanted to was because overall, I feel like we need leaders in the community like you, like Rachel, like my friend, Sarah, other, um, Sita also trained in her pregnancy and posted. Mm -hmm. And I feel like those, those are brave things to do. Maybe not the bravest thing to do in the world, but it is brave when it comes to, you know, we are vulnerable and you're more vulnerable if you're pregnant. And people can say a lot of things from their behind their computer and behind their phone. But if we don't have those leaders doing it, then we, you know, it's important. Right. I, I, I definitely agree with you. I, I, I think it's important to normalize yes. these things so that people understand that it's not, especially if somebody has been doing aerial for long enough that they, they know their body too the T, you know, these professionals that have been doing it as their careers for years and years and years are going to know their bodies and what their bodies can handle. I also understand the other side of things and not maybe wanting to put it out there, even if you could have, because like you said, and and just as we've kind of mentioned, pregnancy is a vulnerable place to be mm-hmm. and it's yep. it's an intimate place to be. So it's kind of like nobody really deserves to know that about you unless you want to share it because people can be ruthless. And that's not, I, I completely understand not wanting to invite that or not wanting to open up a space for people to feel like they can give you their two cents. So I do, I do get both sides, but I, I agree that I think the more, the, the kind of the coolest feedback I've gotten since I put it out there is just how many other pregnant aerialists are out there right now who are like, mm-hmm. thank you for continuing yep. to train. And maybe they're a couple months before me in their pregnancy, or maybe they're trying and they're just nervous about what pregnancy will do to their own aerial journey. And I think that they do appreciate seeing people who are, you know, later in their trimester, in their second, third, even trimester, still doing it because it gives them a little bit of hope that they can also keep doing it. Um, and I will say, as well, like it's a, inspirational. Yeah, like it inspires yeah. people to see that because it is. It's. I mean, for. 
for you, because you never stopped, it's it's something that you're able to do, but right. it is still incredible. Oh, thank it's you. It's still incredible. Yeah, it, it is, no matter how you cut it. And I feel like it's just so wonderful to give, you know, the, the worldwide aerial community out there something to see when it comes to like an example. That means that means a lot. I I really do love that. And I I hope that when people as they're maybe entering into their pregnancies, if anyone is listening to this and happens to be in that position, to also know that like whatever may happen to you or in this pregnancy, they there's it's all okay. And just because I'm doing it this far along, it, it doesn't mean that there's um, anything to be embarrassed about if somebody isn't able to do it this far mm-hmm. along, you know? And I think that's also, I just, I have a, a unique circumstance and I think most people who can train well into their third trimester have a unique circumstance where they have to know their body and the, the limitations of their body like really well. And there can't really be a whole lot of guesswork in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, like, yep. will this movement hurt me or not? Like, you just kind of want to know that it's not going to. <laughs> so I've definitely adapted um, my own training a lot, especially in this third trimester. But I guess I, I want to put that asterisk out there because. I, you know, people sometimes just have to stop or it gets too scary and they don't want to keep going. And I think that's perfectly okay. Yeah. And normal as well, you know? Yeah. Um, I have a friend, my friend who has the four month old, she's been, you know, she's, she's been on a Cirque show before the pandemic and, you know, 10, 12 shows a week for years. And she was like, whew. Yeah. Let me take a break. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see you guys in a year and a half. And I'm like, good for you. You've been doing Ariel like a beast for years. Take your take some time, you know? Take a break. Yeah. I just I just love that there's just so many ways to do it and they're all okay. That's the that's like the if if we you could put the period at the end of the sentence, it would be that. It's all okay. <laughs> I think as long as you're not pushing yourself beyond a point that is going to be healthy because it is such a unique time for your body when you go through growing another human. I mean, there's so much happening inside of us that we can't see and um, sometimes can't even feel. So I, I think I think just like knowing what your limitations are and then being okay adapting to them, it's all going to be okay as long as you work within those kind of parameters and you're not trying to do too much or, you know, condition yourself and make sure that you are as strong of an aerialist after pregnancy as you were before, right when you get back into it, you know, as long as you don't have unrealistic expectations, I think it's all okay. And there's so much available and so many progressions available, um, depending on where people are at when they continue training throughout. I used to, I, I used this um, comparison with somebody who was trying to get me to explain them, like, why is it okay for, for me to do aerial when I was in my first trimester? And I was like, you know, it's more dangerous for me when I'm in my first trimester to try to run a mile because yes. I don't run. It, right. <laughs> I don't run or swim. I would die. <laughs> Everybody knows that I will die if I get in water. Like, 
they're always saying swimming's like the best thing you can do yes. for your pregnancy unless you don't swim. <laughs> unless you don't know how to fucking swim. You know? So it's like yes. this is something that we know so well. Right. And um, you know, I feel like that fear can really be put on not you, not me, all of us. Right. From the outside world, you know, of people who don't really understand what it is that we do in the first place. So, which is right. why this community is really important so that we can be like, okay, you're my people. Where are we, what are I we talking know. about? Let's get specific, you know? I love it. And yeah, I was actually just, I was listening to your episode with the circus doc. I absolutely loved the message that you might be making adjustments that you have to correct afterwards, but it's still okay. Like you might be, there was one that I'm totally guilty of when she mentioned um, you might be putting a little bit more into your lats than Mm -hmm. your abdomen or, you know, the various muscles in your core. And that might need to be sorted out afterwards, but it's kind of these things where like, it's okay. You know, it's, that's kind of part of it. You're you're changing your recruitment patterns, but you can also change them back as you need to after with the right technique and programming. Yeah, I mean, I have to say I'm about a year and a half after I gave birth and my lower abs are really up and down. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, like if I train really hard for a week or so, I can get to a really good place and then a week and a half later... Yeah. Um, doing a straddle climb is like just as hard as it was a year ago. What do you find works the best for you in terms of accessing those at this so point? I regressed my inversion training like eight months after I gave birth because I was plateauing in a mm. place where it wasn't helping me. So because I'm in the studio a lot and that's also a very first world you know, lucky right. thing because right. I'm, I'm in the studio six days a week because I'm teaching. So I would do a knot in the fabric and I would do like knee up to a half of an egg. Oh, that's great. Like I would do a set of 10 and then a set of 10 straddles, straight leg straddles turned out, but with the assistance yeah. of the, of the loop. And I would do 10 and 10, five or six days a week. And if I did that, my straddle in the air would be like not plateaued anymore. Right. But what happened was because my child is now heavier, she's, you know, Mm -hmm. 20 some pounds. Mm -hmm. I'm holding her a lot. She really wants to be held a lot. I started, um, and you know, I'm teaching so much. I've been talking about this on the podcast last couple of weeks. Like my chest got really tight and weak Mm. because of, because of my repetitious movement outside of Ariel. And I got to a point where I over, I was like overusing my aerial muscles because can I tell you that the lateral, the outside of my arms is used for aerial silks mm. mostly because mm. we're in this weird grip, right? Right. Holding a baby and holding my phone. What do I do <laughs> the most in my life? <laughs> Those three things. <laughs> like Those three things I do the most. I try to like, I have like these adult coloring books that I use when I just, you want to kind of zen out? Yeah. I can't color for longer than five minutes because it's the same fucking muscle. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. So, 
Like, I need something else. <laughs> I need something else. So basically, I'm like overtrained on like a couple small muscles attached to my elbows. Mm. So I wow. can't train as much because I'm overtraining one part of my body and not training enough in another part. It is that a first sense. world problem, a niche of a niche of a problem. I'm so curious to know, because I, I imagine, I mean, that's such a huge part of it. You're picking up your your baby, your child, your toddler all the time now. So it's putting your body in this kind of constant state of kind of a forward roll with yeah, the shoulders. Yep. and internal rotation. Ooh. And then I have, I do a mental note every time I pick her up, mm. you know, like glutes, Retract. abs. Oh, yeah. yeah like, yeah. Like use my shoulder blades when I have her on me, stand up, bring my shoulders back. Like I do that. Oh, that's great. Which is probably why I'm not worse. Right. But it still affects you, I'm sure, as it would, well, me, I'm sure, and as it would anyone. It's interesting to think how that, like in, in when we do silks, I mean, ideally we're not rounding all the time, but that is, you know, you kind of, your body tends to go in that direction unless you're like really working on bringing those shoulder blades together, which is well, the Well, you can't climb but with your hands yes, behind you, which is you like- You can't, right. No. <laughs> so it's inevitable. You're going to kind of always be in that state. So this is this is really good. This is the good type of, it was unintentional advice, but I'm going to do some rows. <laughs> Definitely. Get ready for this. Like in a class, if I'm like, I'm like, damn, I need it. Well, first of all, I don't barely any, I don't demo hardly at all because my students just know that I'm not going to do it for them. That's great. And especially if they want to see it twice. I'm like, oh no, (laughs) that's why we have iPhones. (laughs) No, 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 no. Where were you the first time guys? Yeah. So, so I've, I've started doing like a crochet climb as my basic climb sometimes because (laughs) it puts the pressure on my legs to do yes. and my hips to do the work. And then especially if I was going to end up in a inversion at the top anyway. So sometimes I'll do that as my basic climb, but that's a pain in the ass. That's what I've been doing actually a crochet climb. Yeah. That's been okay. my go that. And then on a split tissue footlock climb have been. Oh, as, nice. Like, once I hit 34 weeks, those were the two ways I'm ascending the fabric right now. Just cause I, I stopped feeling good about my abdomen as I was just pulling up into more of a basic climb. Yeah. Like, you know, just the knees coming up into the chest that, yes. that recruits a lot of the muscles in the front. Yes. Yeah. Starting to feel a little more, you know, gooey down there in terms of just like not being able to fully, like I can sit here as we're talking and completely engage throughout and feel my transverse and just feel really strong there. But when that goes into the air, it's definitely getting more wibbly wobbly. So well, like how Dr. Emily talked about it, there's no, we are creating the stabilization ourselves when we're in the air. There's yeah. no stabilized force. There's no ground. There's no wall. There's no bar. Oh, I so I mean, that, that really breaks down why it's just so hard to do an inversion because right. there's no stabilizing um, element besides ourselves. Right. Absolutely. And once I started to really feel that, and I, like I said, I think it was about 34 weeks. I, I also didn't really, my stomach never really popped. Like I, I get a lot of comments that I don't look as pregnant as I am. And I don't mean that in a good way necessarily. 
necessarily. No, but see, here's my thing. Why do people make yes. that comment too? Oh my goodness. The like you're so comments. big for your, for your oh, eight months. You're so small for eight months. Like it, it bothers women. It really does. When people say, I can't even tell you're pregnant. I'm like, excuse me. I have been building a human for nine months. Can you please tell I'm pregnant? Like, or keep those comments to yourself. You know, it's yeah. not your business. It's such a vulnerable state to be in when you're, uh, yeah. when you're seven and a half months pregnant and for somebody to drop a comment like that. Oh yeah. It's like, okay, you, you can go straight to hell because yeah. especially if it's a man. Oh, especially. Especially. Oh. I'm just like, oh. oh, hell no. I went to um, get, I was at a little nursery picking up some plants and I was probably only like, I was not that far in, but I was in that stage of pregnancy where you just feel and are really bloated. Mm. So I had like a little bit going on and I was wearing this jacket and um, the guy who was checking me out at the cash register, like, you know. <laughs> I was buying plants from him type of checking me out, um, was so it said to me, um, oh, are we expecting a boy or a girl? And I was like, oh, buddy, you just got really lucky because <laughs> there was nothing <laughs> about me <laughs> that, yeah. that actually, you know, like I think in general, you just better to play it safe with, with making comments about people's bodies, especially if you don't know oh, them. Oh, God, and men. Just- <laughs> there are some really smart men out there, but then there are some really dumb men out there. <laughs> they just don't get it. Some just don't get it. They don't get you know? it. Like, yeah. Keep it to yourself. Yeah, just keep it to yourself, buddy. That will right. be the other t-shirt that Wrap Your Head Around Silks <laughs> will print. Keep, keep it, it to yourself. To yourself. <laughs> the world does not care what you think <laughs> at all. <laughs> all of that on the t-shirt. All, all of, of it, it on the t-shirt. Yeah, all of it on the t-shirt. I'm taking notes right now, Anna. This is how, this is how I'm going to... customer. Oh, my God. Um, okay, you know what I forgot to ask you about? So yes. you're also an amazing photographer who Thank has shot you. a lot of aerialists. I would love to post the picture one of your photos because you just look so beautiful in it you're upside down on the fabric here's my question how do you shoot yourself (laughs) how are you doing that like how are you setting that up that is such a good question I've done a couple of these one time it was completely self-portrait and I used a clicker so I had it in my hand as I was climbing or I think at that time I actually put it in my mouth to climb and then um, so just a clicker that when you hit the button, it fires the camera. It's connected through a little um, transmitter. Mm-hmm. This time I brought Nick along, the poor thing, and <laughs> I set up all my lighting and I kind of told him exactly as I wanted um, him to frame me and as I wanted the composition to be. And I set the camera settings before he took the camera. So he was my trigger firer. So... That was kind was of Was he like, also your stunt double? Did you make him go up and frame him? <laughs> yeah. For <laughs> one of the things, yes. For mo- most of it was a lot of trial and error and him being extremely patient with my extreme uh, pickiness <laughs> over the way the shot looked. I love it. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a longer shoot than probably when I shoot other people because, you know, he's amazing. He obviously 
was incredible to do it for me, but he's not a photographer. And you can't just press a button and hope things go well. You kind of have to also understand angles. Luckily, he's been a dancer his whole life. He's an aerialist himself. So he does understand the angle of the body and what looks best in different positions. So that made it a lot smoother to get those shots. I've heard from a lot of photographers who have shot me in the past. They're like, I have this 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 inspiration and I they want to be in the picture and they just can't get somebody to do it the way they want it to be done. Mm. And that's such a frustrating thing for some of my some of my friends. But I have to say too, when you go back to work, I want to get in line. I've never shot with you. Yes, Carrie, I would love to take Let's your trick. Let's do oh, that. My goodness. I'm thinking like fall time is when Ooh. we're gonna take a little moment and we're gonna go to Michigan and introduce my baby girl to my family. Nice. When I get back, hopefully doors will be open. I would love to photograph you. Oh my God. That and I've seen your stuff so much, but mm. I think in the last couple of years, I've only done like two because it's a pain in the ass. Like you have to figure out where you're doing oh, yeah. it. It's it's not the easiest. I'm sure a lot of people out there will be like, yeah, it is not easy to organize a photo shoot. Aerial, aerial photography is a thing because like you said you need the space you need the rig yep. you need all of that you need you, you also need a photographer who understands what looks good on an aerialist um yep. and because not everyone is going to have the same type of line and everyone will have different lines and shapes that work well for them and their bodies and and not all shapes look good in photos that um, some of them are just movement shapes, you know, they look mm-hmm. really great in motion. So yeah, for all those reasons, aerial shoots can be kind of a, they can be difficult to coordinate. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I have a couple and I'm like, oh, okay. So you and I have a plan. We're going to do a photo shoot. It. We're going to do yes. the before and Shirts. after podcast. I love it. I'm so for your excited. pregnancy, for your birth. And then um, for all my listeners out there. So yes. her and her husband they have the aerial house am i am i correct right. i don't want to say it right, right. wrong no, you're, that was it, it's in alhambra correct that's right yes it's actually right next to it's considered los angeles kind of el sereno but it's directly next to alhambra okay cool so then you can go get some dim sum afterwards yes the asian so people good. cook so good oh my god the best <laughs> Some of the best Chinese food that you'll ever have in your life is oh. either in San Francisco or L.A. For sure. Yeah, I'm sure the New York people will be like, but wait, how about us? New York, too. Um, but I like hands down, the best Chinese food to me is not in China. It's here in America. There are FYI. some delicious spots right near our studio. When right we near you guys. There, we would go there all the, to them all the time. So good. So good. So every time I go to Alhambra, the only reason I usually go is for food, by the way. I usually, <laughs> but but then I'll come for a photo shoot. Um, <laughs> so she's got the aerial house. It has survived the pandemic. So if if you listeners out there ever take a trip to LA, you know, as as well as coming to Womack and Bowman, which I will always say, because then always. you can come say hi to me. You can also go say hi to Anna yes, and, um, you know, book a photo shoot too, because her, her work is fantastic. Thank you. I, I'm so excited for them to, there to actually be a pregnant aerialist on the Expecting Aerialist I'm podcast. I'm so happy. Thank you for having me, Carrie. <laughs> so good. <laughs> um, you can find Anna on 
Instagram. Can you please give your handle? Because I'm going to get it wrong. Yeah, don't worry. It's 00silkdrop. Silk, like S-I-L-K, drop, D-R-O-P. Um, it was just an inside joke between a friend of mine and I a long it's time stuck. ago. Double it's, O silk drop. It's stuck. So <laughs> yeah. you can find her there. That's right. And... um yeah, Anna, this has been so oh, it's wonderful. fun. And now you have inspired the t-shirt line that will be out, I'm sure, so in about excited. a year. I'm so you know, excited. Maybe I can like make it be aerial friendly and pregnancy friendly. You know, those those pregnancy t-shirts it. with the ruching on the side? You should definitely do that. You know, that's a whole market. Pregnant women would love to wear that. I would have I love to wear that shirt. Yeah. Like the ruching point. and then it goes right under the belly so that it's not super baggy. Oh, yeah. Oh no, you don't want baggy. You want you want to show the bump, but yes. you also want to deliver the message. So <laughs> <laughs> keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. <laughs> so funny. Um, amazing. Okay, so best wishes for an amazing, um, life altering, incredible meeting of your daughter. I'm so excited for you, and Thank um, you so much. I will touch base with you in a couple months. Cannot wait, and then we can. Uh, we can press on with our grand ideas. Let's do it. I can't wait. (laughs) We've got a lot coming up. (laughs) A lot coming up. Thank you so much, Anna. My pleasure, Carrie. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And thank you, Anna. If everybody will give their collective good vibes out for her labor, that would be amazing. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks to Asa Watkins for post-production. And go ahead and click the link in the show notes, grab your free copy of the ebook, and let me know how you like it. Yeah, you want to tell them bye? Can you say bye? Bye. Bye. Bye.